We prepared. Yes. All right, guys. Well, girl, me, you. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Hey, guys. Here's what's coming up. Our next episode will be on July 18th, so make sure to tune in so you don't miss anything. And just a quick note. We recorded this episode a little while ago, and at the end, we mentioned that Rachel Aaron has a new book coming out. Well, it's out! It's a magical western, and it's called The Last Stand of Mary Goodcrow. I am currently in the process of reading it, and I'm having a great time, so I definitely recommend picking it up. And yes, I did pre-order it like I say I'm going to at the end of the episode. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our Patreon! We have all sorts of cool perks available from our mini-series and monthly episode-picking poll to bookmarks and books from our TBRs. Check out all the cool perks at patreon.com slash thebooklifepodcast. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, the Pirate Queen, Sam, Megan, and Leah. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Live Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Today, we are going to discuss Fortune's Pawn by Rachel Bach. Fun fact, because I only have one fun fact about Rachel today. This actually is Rachel Aaron's other pen name. So if I believe, I can't remember precisely um, when these books were written, if they were written before the um, other Heartstriker series and the DFC series, or they're written in the middle or later. But, yes, Abby? They were written before Heartstrikers and DFC. Uh, She did Eli Mon Press first under Rachel Aaron. Then she wrote this sci-fi trilogy under Rachel Bach. And then she wrote Heartstrikers. Well, there you go, guys. So this is some of her newer books. It is, in fact, a trilogy. Fortune's Pawn, Honor's Night. And the third book is called? Heaven's Queen. There we go. So I, so far, am halfway through Honor's Night. Abby, I believe you have not read the last book because you don't want the series to end, correct? I know. I'm loving it so much that I'm, like, putting off the third one. I want to read it. I want to know how it ends, but I don't want it to end. (laughs) Yeah, so that's currently where we are. But tonight, we're just going to discuss Forces Upon, which is book one. And I can almost guarantee we will give you two more episodes of the next ones. So if you have listened to our Patreon episodes, sometimes we do some called You Should Read This Book, where Abby or I convince the other one to read this book. Today, hopefully, in our summary in the first half, before we spoil it, we're going to convince you that you need to give this nice independent author your money and read her books. So let us tell you the summary. And by us, I mean Abby. Debbie Morris isn't your average mercenary. She has plans, big ones and a ton of ambition. It's a combination that's going to get her killed one day, but not just yet. That is, until she gets a job on a tiny trade ship with a nasty reputation for surprises. The glorious fool isn't misnamed. It likes to get into trouble, so much so that one year of security work under its captain is equal to five years everywhere else. With odds like that, Debbie knows she's found the perfect way to get the jump on the next part of her plan, but the fool doesn't give up its secrets without a fight, and one year on the ship, might be more than even Debbie can handle. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, One year on the ship is a freaking lot because I think what we get like this book takes over like two months tops, not that much. And it's a freaking wild ride. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, I do think we should talk a little bit about the world itself before we dive into the characters. Mm, I can go with that. I'd completely agree. Do you want to talk about the planets or do you want to talk about the species that we encounter? So there is two races of humans. There's Paradoxians, which is what Debbie is, and there's Terrans. And the reason there's a difference is because there was a massive civil war hundreds of years ago and there was a giant split. And so the two races, like, they have different cultures, they have different holidays, they're they're all humans, but they're completely different cultural-wise. And Paradoxians are very into high-tech armor, whereas Terrans are very into just weaponry, I think. Or not even, like, refined, beautiful weaponry. So Paradoxians take pride in making beautiful armor that's very functional. And my gosh, Debbie is a true Paradoxian because she loves her armor. Mm -hmm. And the two main um, alien races that we deal with are called Aeons. I'm going with it. Um, And Zithkow. I'm just going with it because I read the book. I did not do an audio book. So Aeons are a bird-like species, like very large bird-like species. Um, and the Zithkal kind of reminded me of the aliens in Alien, the way they were described, like Alien the movie. Kind of scary, very large, big claws. Um, the females are smaller than the males. And they have apparently bred themselves into being almost two separate species within the same race because the males are bred to be big strong um, warriors just like out there on the front lines grunts kind of people and then the females are bred for their brains and their scientific knowledge and so they're very very different but they're still the same species (laughs) And so those are the Aeons and the Zithcals, which are the two main alien races that we deal with besides the humans. We do actually get to encounter another space-faring race as well, but they're not as exciting as the other two. So there are multiple planets um, in this universe. Of course, there's Terran, Old Earth, where everybody originated from. I don't think they still live there, do they, Abby? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, But one thing that Debbie um, talks about is how Terrans love to expand and take over planets and terraform them and make them livable for humans. And that they're constantly grabbing planets, which makes them, uh, what do we call it, like uh, meat farms for the uh, Sith cult because they like to eat the humans. Versus the Paradoxians are very calculated, very much like, can we defend our territory effectively? Yes. We will take that planet. So pretty much, the, the I feel like from what I've read, the Sith Cold does not play with the Paradoxians because they're like, hmm, hard meal versus Terrence, easy meal. So mm-hmm. kind of the vibe I got from them as well. Um, and then the uh, as we learn more about the Aeons, Aeons, Avians, the birds, the bird race, mm-hmm. um, we learn that, well, we get to go to one of their planets and on their planets, they like, uh, they build up, essentially. I, as I'm trying to think of how the best way to describe it. They they like to pack together inside their buildings, and they have, like, this vast farmland. But they they are very much like, 
1 billion people in this tiny space and 200 people who are going to take care of our um, automated machinery that farms our land. They're very funny, very silly people. And they got this um, mm-hmm. innate homing ability where they always know where their home planet is and they're always like their body is like, let's go home. Let's go back home. Um, kind of like, uh, I guess, homing pigeons. Like they always know how to get back home. So they're great mm-hmm. navigators. Yeah. And that's all I can tell you about the planets and the people. That's literally all I remember now. That's okay. I feel like that's a good base. Like, it's important to understand that there are these different races when we talk about the characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they, sure. they factor in in a huge way to the characters and how they interact. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of characters, we have... The main character, the main protagonist, her name is Debbie. She's a paradoxian. She is a warrior. She is young and fierce, and she is going to get into um, this really awesome group of people, the like, Kingsguard, like the wonderful. She's like, I'm going to do it. Um, and she's paradoxian. Yes, she's a wonderful main character. We get to read everything from her point of view. It's all first person. I, I like Debbie. She's pretty amazing. <laughs> We have Brian um, Coswell, who's a Terran. He is captain of the Glorious Fool. He's gruff. He's grumpy. He kind of reminds me of the movie Treasure Planet's captain um, when you first kind of meet him. No, 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 not the captain. Um, <laughs> Treasure <laughs> Planet's um, the cook, cook, the cook. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I went the wrong way with my thoughts and words there. But yeah. But you know, so that's the way I was kind of picturing them. Uh, art today wow when i read the book which you know whatever um there's basil who is a navigator they are in aeon and they fly the ship around the universe they're a giant bird they're kind of scary actually i don't know i like them i don't know he's kind of feisty and scary um there's mabel and she's a terran and she is the ship's mechanic and we don't see a lot of her uh, so we don't get a lot of personality of her, but she is um, Brian's sister-in-law or sister? Yes, sister-in-law. That's right. Family. Um, we have Nova, who she's a Terran technically, but she grew up in a zero-G environment inside of a space station. And she is the systems analysis and she is connected to, with the universe. And she is a space hippie, guys. Like, just imagine a 60s hippie in space and you have Nova. Yep. Yep, she's literally a space hippie. It's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got Hyrick, who is a synthol, and they are the ship's doctor, and they spend most of their time in their room reading books. Very smart individual, very sassy, talks on a, um, a pad, so they have to type everything out because most people don't speak their language, and their language uh, apparently is really hard to speak, so that's... I thought that was a nice mechanic and kind of cool. We have Ren, who's mm-hmm. Codwell's um, mute daughter. She is just along for the ride, and she hangs out usually with Rupert Karchoff, who's also a Terran, who's the cook in the mess hall, where she plays chess and he makes food. Good combination. We also have Jason Cutter, who is the other security um, individual, along with Devi on The Glorious Fool. He has a giant mech suit that kind of reminds me of like Gundam suits from Gundam Wing. 
I know I remember it being bright yellow and I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. I also picture um, if anyone has played Starcraft, um, the Terran race and the main guys that you make from your command center that uh, mine the minerals and mine the gas, kind of like that as well. Except, and she and um, Debbie for me is more like the, the ghost or the Marine essentially from Starcraft. And then we have a character called the Lady Grey. The Lady Grey is a Paradoxian um, armor set that Debbie wears. And Debbie is really attached to the Lady Grey and Sasha and Mia. Sasha is a nice hand pistol that goes pew pew. And Mia is a giant energy weapon that goes boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and they are central characters as well with Debbie. There is also a sword. I can't remember what her sword's name is. Mm, the sword comes up later. Mm-hmm. But yes. There, this is your main cast of Fortune's Pawn. And yes, Debbie's armor is a plays a large enough part in this that we put it as a character. So I guess the real question is, have we convinced you to read it yet? Right. I would say if you are a fan of sci-fi and a fan of Rachel Aaron's other books, this is totally up your alley. Um, this is very much so a... Not like uh, the classing um, Empire series by John Scalzi. There's not a lot of big political movement and political pieces. It's not like The Expanse where we have multiple storylines going on. It's a little bit more focused and linear. Kind of reminds me of uh, Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. With the kind of focus of uh, a, what do you want to call it? A focus of a uh, contract to hire kind of person. And I don't know. I loved it. It was very easy read, very consumable, and I highly enjoyed it. Yeah, this one really, like, it's Rachel Aaron, Rachel Bach. So I was expecting to enjoy myself reading this, but, like, I got so sucked in. And there's so many twists and turns through this book and through the second book that I just, I kept having to put it down and just stare off into space like, what the hell? But like in a good way, because she just like blew my mind and it was wonderful and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I do like it. And like, I, I loved the first book so much that I literally picked up the second immediately and started reading it, which is unusual for me because I'm not usually one who goes one, two, three, four, like in a series. I don't just sit down and read a single series. I'm like, read book one. Oh, I'm going to read this other book here. Oh, maybe I'll go back to book two of this series. I'm going to read book five of this other series over here. Like I jump back and forth. It's just what I do. So the fact that I went straight from book one to book two says a lot. So I actually jumped into uh, book two right away as well. And I'm halfway through only because I had to put it down to read um, two books for book club, which I did finish. And it's my current ebook on my phone, but I'm also in the middle of reading Little Thieves. So Little Thieves is sucking the majority of my reading time. And then I'm listening to Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune. So I'm bouncing between three books. And I have to say, I am now a lot like you, Abby, where I don't read like series like one through five anymore. I'm more of a, I'm going to read book one over here, book two of this series, book five of this series. And I'm jumping around a lot, um, I would say, more so than I used to do. And because I think part of it is the blessing and curse of the internet that I've been finding so many great books and keep adding more and more books to my um, to be read pile that 
I mean, God, I have books behind me I need to read too. <laughs> I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gotten it's gotten bad enough for me that like I own all these physical books, but I've found audiobook copies like in my library app and whatnot. And so I'm just like, I'll probably just listen to the audiobook because I'll get to this book faster that way. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. Um, it's because I mean we're still supporting the author in many different ways, and that's something that we should strive to do. Exactly. But yeah, I just I used to be the person that could sit down and just read through an entire series. I just can't do that anymore. Hmm. It sounds like you might have had children. Yeah, well, and I also like I also enjoy like reading the first book of a series and then getting a couple books away from it and being like, do I really want to continue the series? Because, like, if it didn't blow me away initially, it's one of those, like, do I want to spend my time continuing with this? Like, it might have been a good book, but was it good enough that I want to continue it? Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that's always the the question that I ask myself because, you know, I have limited time to read now. And I really want to read things that I'm going to enjoy as much as possible. Oh, I so, thought you were going to say, I really want to read everything. I'm like, me too. <laughs> Well, that too. I mean, I, I, I want to read all the books. <laughs> I know. We love the books. We do. Well, guys, we are ready to deep dive into our favorite characters and least favorite scenes and our everything else that we talk about. Yep. So we're going to spoil it. So we'll see you guys in a minute. Talk to you in a minute, guys. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show welcome back guys and remember this half is spoilers if you have not read fortune's pawn please 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 pause go read the book you will not regret it and then come back and listen to us talk about it and see if you agree with all of our opinions all right favorite characters all right (laughs) i love debbie Yes, I'm all about that strong female main character that's going to kick butt, <laughs> especially when she kicks Jason's <laughs> butt right away to establish her dominance. I'm like, yes, yes, establish the dominance. Um, I also appreciate that she's weird. Like, she's like, I love my weapons. Look at my pretty weapons. And I'm like, why are you so freaking weird? Um, <laughs> and I really like how, oh, I'm not sure if I like it. She's a little, little too strong, in my opinion, when she's like, I want you, Rupert. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious woman. Wow. Like, she's like, come on, let's go to bed. And I'm like, oh, okay. But that's, that's her culture. You know, that's what they're used to because they're don't know if they're going to die tomorrow and die a glorious death for the King. So, you know, YOLO, woo, kind of a thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's freaking crazy, but that's okay. I still enjoy her. I love Nova. I understand now why Debbie and Nova were in your um, non-favorite friendship thing. Like, Nova's the sweetest, most wonderful thing. And I love how Debbie's like, I must protect the Nova. 
must not let harm come to the Nova. Nova's like my little kitten that I love. She's weird, but she's my little kitten. I'm like, Debbie, you're weird too. Just say no, girl. I love how Nova reminds me a little bit of Luna Lovegood. Like, let me cleanse your aura. Hmm. You are connected to the universe. Hmm. Your mind's eye and all that weird crap. Like, I don't know what even the like new age extratensialism. I don't know what to call. I love it. I love how she's like, let's just play cards together. And then she gets really good at playing cards. And they're like, and Debbie's like, "Mm, you're a challenge. I like this. I also loved Rupert. I love the mystery of Rupert. I freaking love everything about him. I love how he basically had to seduce Debbie on the captain's, you know, word to do it. Then he got shot in the freaking head and it was fine but debbie was like no hesitation boom shot him in the head um because he was on the captain captured because they were doing a they were just testing debbie you know loyalty and all that nonsense and then you know as we push forward and her and rupert start the relationship and then like he's been her knight in shiny armor without her knowing because he is basically what's called a symbiote where he has turns into this big black creepy thing and just saves her from a few different instances. Absolutely love him. One of my favorite characters. And I just want to take him and be like, come here, Rupert. It's okay, buddy. Everything will be okay. And take him away from this evil people universe. And then I also love the Lady Grey. I'm sorry, but as someone who has personified their own um, armor and given it a personality and loves it and talks about all these weird kinks and i i don't know i just thought it was hilarious i'm like i i love it um and i really like um her kit her hygric hygric the um synthol the lizard folk doctor i don't know he they just sit in their room and read books and are very intellectual and they're very sassy so mm-hmm. much sass like and the deliver sarcasm very well through a uh communication pad yeah. <laughs> Please tell me your favorite characters. So my list is basically your list, honestly. So I adore Debbie. When I was reading this first book, it occurred to me that she is basically the male sci-fi lead you expect to see, except she's a female. And I adored that because you so rarely see a female lead just wholeheartedly take on all of these aspects that you would see a male lead take on. Like purposely pursuing uh, sex with a crew member, having just like a booty call with some guy on a planet that she knows and just like taking charge and kicking butt in fights and thinking strategically in fights. And just like, there's all these hallmarks for main male characters that Debbie did and I went yeah this is fun you know because it's just like it's not something you see and I loved that she's so much fun (laughs) and I also love that she's like focused on her goal and she doesn't want to deal with all the mysteries and crap that are going on she's just like really I have to do really why are we doing this I just want to punch things (laughs) let me shoot something (laughs) Mm. <laughs> uh, and then yes I adore Nova she is a space hippie and literally the every time she popped up I picture like a slightly older version of Luna Lovegood just in space as a hippie <laughs> in space yes 
with the crystals and the the chakras and the auras and all of that. She's like, oh, she's a space hippie. She's so precious. <laughs> and I love that she's roommates with Debbie because the best combination. If you want to hear more about that combination, go listen to our favorite non-romantic relationships episode. Oh, I love Debbie and Nova. I mean, I understand now and I appreciate that. Thank you for enlightening me and sharing with me and showing me. You're welcome. I knew you'd love them. Yeah, you, you know, you know me, you know things. I also really loved Rupert. I liked him as a love interest. I liked the mystery around him. I liked that he wasn't just a regular human and you finally find that out. And I thought that was really cool. Like, I thought the changes that had been made to him were really cool. I just, I like Rupert as a character. He made me mad at the end, but I like him as a character. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're supposed to be mad at him at the end. Yeah, we'll get there. I also really loved the Lady Grey. I love when inanimate objects are personified and like talked to like they're actual people and given personality. I think that is wonderful. I think it is such a uniquely human thing to do that I love when authors make their characters do it because it's real. Um, and it's just, it's wonderful. Also, the way that Debbie describes the Lady Grey just makes me want to own the Lady Grey, you know? Right. Like, I just walk around my house in this really slick armor because I could. Let's do it. Yes, let's let's go make some armor and we'll do it. Yes. Um, I like Hyrick too, the sassiness. And just like, he kind of made me think of like Dr. McCoy, but as an alien. (laughs) Okay. Because he's got that level of sass and that level of why do you keep trying to kill yourself going on? It's just, it made me happy. I love space doctors who are just sassy and going, why are you trying to kill yourself? I specifically told you not to do this thing and you did this thing. So I appreciated him. And then, okay, the one on my list that I have that's different than yours is uh, Jason Cotter, who is the other security person. And he's honestly a meathead. Debbie calls him as much, and he is. He personifies everything you would think of as a mercenary meathead. And I didn't really like him at first. Debbie puts him in his place, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's not the worst at least he didn't come after her again but like he grew on me throughout the books or throughout the book and I was just like by the time you get to the end I was genuinely upset over his character I I was was mad that I was upset about him I'm like dang it how dare you make me like him well and I didn't even realize how much I liked him until he died and then I was like wait a minute who said you could make me like the meathead rude Right. And not only did you make me it like him, but you so took rude. him away. People should not do that to us. Oh, so that kind of killed me. Like the realization that I liked Cotter, who I did not like at the beginning of the book, was just like, okay, Rachel. <laughs> I get it. You did it well. She's very good at doing that to people. She did it so well. And I'm glad she did it to me, but I was frustrated. <laughs> 
All right. Least favorite characters. Well, I got pissed at Brian because I was like, oh, he's going to be like Captain Mal from Firefly. I like this. We're good to go. And then I'm like, mm, mm, mm. no, no. For one, we kind of learned Ren isn't his actual daughter and he's using her to fight these mystical phasma beasts, essentially. And I'm like, how dare you use a child? Like, I understand we got to save the universe. And but, you know, he's using that decision that there's a greater, you know, the lesser evil for the greater good. And I'm like, I got problems with you. Um, and then he breaks up Rupert and no, or Devin. He's like, nope, you guys can't be together. Rupert, wipe her brain. And I'm like, you know, so I'm not mad at Rupert for that because he was following orders because he's a soldier. That's what happens, um, you know, and Brian's his commander. Plus, Brian is also a symbiote, symbiote, and he can kick Rupert's butt, essentially. And Rupert has always been the perfect soldier until Devi appeared. So, ticked me off. Um, I put Basil on mine. I just found Basil annoying sometimes, just a little too finicky and birdie and obnoxious. I like um, them a lot better in book two. So, didn't like them in this book. Gets better. Um, and then Cotter. I, I didn't like how he was trying to talk down and treat um, Debbie like a because she was a girl and like, oh, you're not as good as me and I'm going to be the best and I'm going to be in charge. Um, and then he tries that a few times. I'm like, didn't you not learn the lesson? Like, get your butt kicked, dude, seriously. And then, yeah, then I got feelings about him dying. I was pissed about that. How about for you? I hate Brian Caldwell. And I, I can't tell, like, I didn't, okay. <laughs> I was also expecting a Captain Mel from Firefly. And so when I discovered that he was not at all like Captain Mel from Firefly, I was upset. And then I actually found out more about him and I was even more upset because he's evil. <laughs> it just, right. oh, and it gets worse in book two. It gets worse in book two. I know, I'm, I'm in there. I'm in there right now. It's not going good. So I just, I hate him and everything about him and who he works for. And it's just, he's terrible and I don't like him. He's awful. I was not expecting to dislike the freaking captain of the ship, but there you have it. I know. All right. So favorite scenes. Okay. So I'm sorry. But I really like when Debbie got drunk and she's trying to seduce Rupert. And he's like, oh, no, he's being all gentlemanly. He's like, no, 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 you're drunk. We're not going to play this game. Put your pants back on and calm down, woman. I appreciate that he did not take advantage of her, um, even though, you know, we figure he really does like her and he would highly enjoy being with her. But he instead was like, mm, no, no, I'm going to put you to bed. Tuck, tuck, tuck. Good night, lady. That was sweet. I love every single one of Debbie's fight scenes. I love the first one where she puts Cotter into his place. I love how she, when she's fighting the, um, whatever the hell, the Sithal <clears throat> landing party. And she's like, oh, 30 against one, it'd be fine. Punch, 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 kill, you know. Yeah. I love, my favorite part is, is the close action part of it um, when she uses her blade for sure. Uh, in that first scene, when we get on the 
um, we're on the ship. We're it's kind of boring. We're in the soupy sim zoom hyperspace. Um, and Rupert is playing a turncoat agent, and Debbie just shoots him between the eyes, like no hesitation. She's like, eh, "I won't shoot the, the bird. It'd be fine." Boom. So calm, so cool, collected. Mm. I'm so impressed with her. I really loved Debbie putting Cotter in his place in that first tussle they get into because she does it so methodically and so coolly, just like, bam, 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 you're down. And the way Cotter's just like, oh, crap. (laughs) I just, I appreciated that she immediately set the dynamic of you don't cross me. And Cotter was like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) I I love anything where Debbie and Nova interacted because anytime they interacted, I was just grinning from ear to ear, like, this is so fun. We have the space mercenary and the space hippie. And yes, anytime Debbie fought anyone or anything was so fun to follow. Just, mm, yes, yes. I mean, I know it's like her forte, so she's going to excel at it. But it was so fun to watch. It's so well written. It just, they, the, the fight scenes flow so well. I really mm-hmm. enjoy them. Also, I agree. Rupert being a total gentleman when she's drunk was just like, oh, Rupert. (laughs) And I mean, I'm not surprised because Rachel's a very good scene writer. Mm -hmm. Like, zero surprise. Worked worked perfectly. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. She's fantastic. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, yeah. What about those least favorite scenes, Abby? I'll let you start this one because I, I have one and you have a few more. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, okay. So the ending when Rupert made Ren not only take all of Debbie's memories of him, but also rewired her so that she felt absolute revulsion anytime she looked at him and couldn't remember his name, no matter how many times she heard it. That was too far mm-hmm. in yeah. my mind. I get where he was coming from because it was like a self-preservation thing on his end because he didn't want her to go back to hitting on him. But too far. Like taking yourself out of her brain, that's one thing. But you're going so far as to make her physically ill anytime she looks at you. That's that's too far, man. That's That feels like a violation, you know? Oh, yeah. And I know, like, taking her memories is a violation in and of itself. But, like, going in and making her physically ill, it's not... Taking her memories is one thing because it's a one-time thing and then they're gone. But making her sick every time she looks at him, that's a recurring thing because she's stuck on a ship with him. So she has to, like, physically avoid even looking at him. And that's, that's, that shouldn't have been on her. So yeah, like, if he was going to take her memories, he should have had the entire burden of that, rather than putting a physical burden on her as well, because that wasn't fair to her. And that that just, God, that made me so angry. Yep. Well written, but it made me angry. <gasps> Caught her dying. Like, it was a hero's death. It was a great scene. But he'd grown on me and I didn't realize he'd grown on me as much as he had. And so his death was more upsetting than I was prepared for. It was quite 
I was quite mad at how much I was upset about him dying. I was like, seriously? Yeah. Well, and you kind of like, you were expecting at that point that he would probably end up dead because like the reputation of the ship is that the security just doesn't last. And Debbie's the one telling the story. So if somebody's going to die, it's probably going to be Cotter. But at the same time, I wasn't supposed to care that much about the meathead. You well, know? I know. Yep, I do. Oh, I just, that hurt my heart. I know. All right, what about you? Well, Demi losing her memory after she saved everyone. I was so mad that I was like, pretty sure I texted you and I'm like, what the hell, Abby? And you're like, I know. Um, so yes, once again, Abby was right as I read the book and I'm like, yes, 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 Abby. But I, mm, like, oh, she did all this work, did an awesome job, defended the captain, did everything. You know, she was loyal to him. He could have kept her loyal to her. And instead he did this. So he kind of brought his own demise, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really kills me that like her loyalty was to him. And it was not rewarded, mm-hmm. which is sad. That made me mad. Yeah. All right. What are your final thoughts then? Um, this is a solid four star for me. So, oh, this year um, I've read a lot of sci-fi and this is a very good book, but I have read better sci-fi books, especially recently, like Andy Weir's um, Project Hail Mary and... The Expanse book one by, I can't remember the author's name at this time. I just read, I have read a lot of sci-fi and this is good. Rachel's a really great writer, but this is not as good to me as a Heart Striker series. And I would recommend other sci-fi books over this one first, unless someone was looking for something new. And I need to finish book two and see how the world building goes because my opinions could always change. Um, And this has very Firefly S vibes for me. So, and I love that. Okay, how about for you? That's fair. For me, this was a five-star book. I loved every minute of it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was on the same level as Heart Strikers for me. So just like, if I had to pick a favorite series of hers, I'm not sure which one I would pick. Hmm. Um, The third book might change my opinion. I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet, obviously. But like right now, if I had to choose... That would be a long debate with myself. (laughs) I think the important thing to remember about this series is that it's very centrally focused on Debbie. And it's like comparatively to a lot of sci-fi, a lot of sci-fis have like big world building and lots of different races and lots of different like going around the planets and stuff. And you have different races and going around to different planets, but The other books are a larger scope and this one feels like a smaller scope because it's all around Debbie and she's not interested in all the politics and crap, which is actually something I kind of appreciated about her character because like sometimes I'm interested in the politics that's going on and sometimes I really just want somebody to shoot something. (laughs) And and Debbie gave me the I'm just going to shoot at things. So I definitely appreciate that. I think this is a fantastic book. It was an absolute ride from beginning to end. I love the characters. I loved the world building that we got because the world building isn't like super extensive, 
but it's enough that I felt like it was a complete universe, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And I really liked the intrigue and the mysteries with the other people on the spaceship. And it's honestly, it kind of makes me sad that this is the only sci-fi that she's written, you know? Because like... Well, maybe she'll write us some more. I mean, she's always writing. You never know what's going to come out of her. I know. And she's got a new series in the works, I think. So I'm kind of hoping it's more sci-fi because I know she's... She's got the Eli Mon Press. She's got Heart Strikers and DFC. They're all fantasy. And um, she did, she co-authored an RPG series that I've read. I've read three mm-hmm. of the four of those so far. But those are really fun. Yes, I have the first one. Mm-hmm. But I just, I really enjoyed her writing. And I would love to see her do more sci-fi if she feels like doing more sci-fi, you know? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, yeah. As soon as this next book of hers comes out, I'm just auto-buying it as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah, she's an automatic auto-buy, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Creeping on her blog. I don't see anything new-ish. Um, her The last update I saw from her was Twitter. Oh, yes. I don't like the Twitter, so I don't use the Twitter. I know. I don't either. I just randomly go on occasionally because, like... Oh, she's doing a new magical Western. Ooh, a Western? Yep. This pleases Mm -hmm. me much. Awesome. Glad I can please. Glad I can use my internet sleuthing skills to tell you what's coming up next. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. Well, guys, that is what we have for today. Again, we love this author. Stay tuned for book two. I'm sure that'll be coming out later this year. And we'll see you next time. Talk to you in a couple weeks, guys. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use. Or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.